Hey everybody, welcome to episode 204 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and I'm joined, of course, by uh, Dave Hogue. What's up? Hey. Uh, what's up? It's summertime. It is so. summertime. Does that mean that you're yeah. getting jiggy with it? I am. No, 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 no. Yes. That's a... I'm proud of that reference. Just say that. <laughs> And uh, we are we are also joined today at some point by my dog, and I apologize in advance. He is being there. He is right on cue. He's very much being a puppy tonight, and it's not convenient. So we're just gonna have to deal with it. Although sometimes he does like a thing, like a Wookie, and that's that's kind of fun. So, David. We're here. We're yes. back. Last yeah. uh, last episode, we talked about the preface to Hearing God, and the plan tonight is to carry on and talk about yes. chapter one, correct? That is correct, yeah. Is there uh, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we dive in, or should we get straight to the book? Uh, I'm good with diving right in today. So Me too, because the sooner... I can be done, and I can figure out why my dog is being this way, and the the better. Because if anyone listening has tips and tricks for how to get your puppy not to be obsessed with wanting to eat your hands twenty four hours a day, please <laughs> let me know. I'm at Cam Brennan on everything. Just find me. <laughs> he is obsessed. It's like I've covered my hands in peanut butter, and all he wants to do is just in. Like there'll be there'll be points where like I'm on the couch just trying to watch a basketball game, and I'm literally sitting with my arms fully <laughs> outstretched above my head because that's the only place I can put them where he can't get them. Now, granted, at that point he's looking at my face, and I want to. It is m- crazy making. I have bones. I have treats. He gets fed. I sound exasperated because I am. <laughs> Yeah, they're a lot of work. And he's, he'll be five months in like 10 days. So like there is a long road ahead until sanity descends upon this small canine. (laughs) Anyways. All right. I got that out of my system. Sorry, everybody. Just had to vent a little bit. So, chapter one, the title of which is A Paradox About Hearing God. Yes. What are, what are your thoughts? Do you want to just work through it like the way we did last time, or do you have like an overarching takeaway from the chapter that you want to talk about first? What's, uh, choose your own adventure, Dave. Um, well, I thought maybe it... it we could address what the paradox is and then maybe dissect it from there. And, um, cause he gives, I think there's just there good examples, but there's, you know, uh, a large chunk of it is him talking about people who've heard from God, both, you know, present day, um, Christians throughout history. And then, you know, specific, um, individuals that we know from the Bible. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of thought that's what, you know, we could start with the paradox and then go from maybe things that stood out from there. Sure. Do you want to uh, 
explain the paradox, Dave? Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that after <laughs> I <laughs> after I gave that 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 suggestion. So, um, he he actually addresses it um, towards the end of the chapter, at least two thirds of the way through, and basically this concept of hearing from God is not foreign to us. Like uh, if you go to church at all, hearing from God is a fairly common, you know, phrase in our vernacular. Uh, We don't question when a pastor says I've heard from God um, or even anybody that, well, particularly, particularly a pastor, anybody that's considered like a leader of the church um, that's kind of in that authority place. We're very comfortable uh, with that phrasing. Um, but then when it comes to our, our own life and the reality of hearing God, we kind of come to this place of uncertainty. And, um, we mentioned, uh, before, uh, Gideon and just, he had some very clear communication from God with the fleece and being wet and not wet and the ground being dry and wet. And, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, there's just this tension between, um, it's a phrase that we use, um, especially in church circles, people that are, uh, religious don't have a, a real issue with that, that problem. But then the reality is, is that, um, we can be uncertain as to what it means to hear God. Um, and I even think, I guess I'll even go beyond his direct definition of that right there is that, um, I think we're uncomfortable in some situations, particularly outside of our church circles, saying that I heard from God. You know, while I might be uh, comfortable with talking about it here with you or even on the podcast, um, it might not be something I'd be so comfortable with talking about at work um, or people that, well, even if there are church people there, uh, Christians, you know, I... um, it, it, um, uh, cause yeah, it's just, it's, it's an interesting paradox, I guess is, is where I'm at. So I don't know if you have anything to add or. Well, yeah. So there's that. And then there's the opening of the chapter where he's talking about the dinner and how the pastor had, you know, I heard from right. God and we're going to expand that. And then his, his wife's grandma, uh, said, I wonder why God never speaks to me like that. And I think that's the other part of the paradox, right? Is there's the, it's such a common, like you said, thing in church to hear like, oh, God told me this, or God said that. And I think an overwhelming majority of folks in church are like, well, he's never done that to me, or I've never heard an audible voice. Right. And yeah. So like a, like a a clear direction, a clear, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so then it kind of, goes into the, and this is what I thought we would discuss from is what does that mean then to hear from God? Yes. David. Sounds a lot like (laughs) Mufasa, right? Remember who you are. (laughs) So, well, yeah, so there's, I mean, my experience is I don't think I've ever Heard like the audible, you know, Cameron, do this or don't do that, right? A lot of, 
a lot pick of, up and read or what? <laughs> pick up and read. Yeah. He's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that uh, Augustine? August. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can honestly say if that's happened, I have no recollection of it, which means it probably, which you think, which you think you would. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You would think that you would remember that. Right. But like, I've met people that will fall on their swords saying that they've heard an audible voice telling them or directing them to do something. And there's even an example of it a couple of times in this chapter of people now and way back when and in between. Um, but then there's also this concept that he, um, points out, not concept, that's a weird word to use. The fact that God's word, the Bible is a written down thing of God speaking, right? So when we read the Bible, that is hearing from God because it's God's word. And when we also think about God spoke and this isn't in the chapter. This is just what I'm thinking now. God spoke everything that exists into existence. So God's word created the known universe. And so mm. when we experience the beauty of something that God has created, the majesty of a waterfall or Aurora Borealis or the beauty of different animal species, the great coral reef or the mountains or the desert or whatever, the natural beauty that exists in the world, if that moves us, that is something that God spoke into existence. And that is another way to hear from, it's called general revelation if we want to get into theological terms, but that is also a (laughs) way to experience what God has said. Now we experience it differently because it's a physical thing that we see and not necessarily something that we're hearing. Although if it's nature, we're hearing that too. The, the sounds of the birds, you know, in the trees or, or the cicadas at night or, you know, a rushing river or, or, or waves crashing on an ocean beach. Like we can hear from God in other ways besides just the audible, like Paul on the road to Damascus, like life changing, altering, like, crazy stuff that gets all the headlines because it's so distinct. And then there's God working through other people and situations, right? In some of the more subtle ways. But I think often when we talk about, or when we hear, Oh, I heard from God, our, my default is, Oh, he like, it was a direct line of, you know, (laughs) that, that voice. But I think if we can broaden our, understanding of what it means to hear from God to encompass a lot of these other things, then it becomes a lot less intimidating and a lot less exclusive of, oh, I can't hear from God because I'm not a pastor. I'm not ordained. I don't lead, you know, all of these excuses that we might make. I'm not good enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I kind of went on a tangent that not all of that's in this chapter, um, but that's sort of what this, the chapter kind of set my mind thinking about was, and I think this even stems from maybe something he said in the preface. I don't remember, but there's, Oh, it actually, you know what? So it's not completely the same, but I need to find it in the book here. And this is where it's just going to get awkward for these. Cause I'm not going to edit this out. Cause it's going to, it'd be more herky jerky if I did. It's a section about where God's ways of communicating have to be different because he's communicating to different people and different cultures at different times throughout history. And so if God Mm -hmm. only communicated one way, 
it wouldn't be effective because people that live in different cultures from different people groups at different times in history are going to react to different things better. And so if all humanity is made in the image of God, that means that God wants or desires to communicate with all of humanity. And so he has to be able to communicate to us in different ways at different times for different purposes in different mediums in order to ensure that we, the little sheep, the little dumb sheep that don't know what's going on, have a chance to go, oh, oh, there is something else going on here. Mm -hmm. And so I had never thought about that before, right? Because, you know, me being the, you know, the the, uh, modern American Christian, I just think about myself all the time. And to think that God... would be that clever is not surprising, but it's never, I just, I'd never had that thought before. Like, Oh, of course he has to be able to communicate in myriad ways. Just think about all of the different types of people across the history of the human race that he's tried to communicate with. And that's again, just Dallas, just pointing out something totally obvious that I'd never (laughs) thought about. And, And he just, it's just like a passing like sentence or two. But it was like, holy crap, that's absolutely right and really, really cool. And I can't believe I never thought about that. Yeah, so I I think this is what you're referring to. Um, There's a, I don't know what even these things are called, where it's the bold title for a paragraph or whatever. Um, But he talks about the first steps towards a solution. And he, he says, first, we need to understand that God's communication uh, came to a, comes come to us in many forms, and then I just thought that was so. There's there's kind of basically he is saying, and I'll back up about this. So there's a paragraph that says the paradox about hearing God's voice must then be resolved and removed by providing believers with a clear understanding and a confident practical orientation towards God's way of guiding us and communicating with us. Yeah, and so after after the part where it says God's communications come to us in many forms, this is the succinct version of what I just blabbled on about. Blabbled? That's not a word. <laughs> <sighs> we should expect nothing else, for this variety is appropriate to the complexity of human personality and cultural history. And God in redemption is willing to, re- is willing to reach out to humanity in whatever ways are suitable to its fallen and weakened condition. We should look carefully at these many forms to see which ones are most suited to the kind of relationship God intends to have with his people. If we give mm-hmm. primacy to forms of communication that God does not the whole prefer in relation to his children, that will hinder our understanding of and cooperation with his voice. I mean, it just, wow. Yep. Never crossed my mind to think of it that way. And in a matter yeah. of four sentences... He just explained the whole, <laughs> like the whole concept and, and it's reasonable and it makes sense. And it's also the fact that he says, you know, if we give primacy to forms of communication that God is not on the whole preferred relation to his children, that will hinder our understanding. Like, of course we would do that. We're humans. Like, of course we would want it. The only way God can talk is the way that I prefer. Well, no, that's not true. And if you, like, you know, build your church that way, well, then you're leading a bunch of people to a 
less fulfilling and less deep and less true relationship with God because not all of them are going to communicate with God in that way or receive like it's right. yeah it's yeah man humans mm. Mm. yep and so you know honestly I felt like the three things that he addresses in this section of the book really spoke to me like kind of summed all of this up because uh, the second one struck me the same, similarly to the way the, the first one, and that is we may have the wrong motives for seeking to hear from God. And then later on in there, it says, I fear many people seek to hear God solely as a device for obtaining their own safety, comfort, and sense of being mm-hmm. righteousness. And for me, I think, I, I so I'll say it, I know for me that that is certainly true and probably been a hindrance for me hearing God. And as I look at the church as a whole in America right now, again, I, I just, I just have that sense of we are seeking him from the, for the wrong, out of the wrong motivation. And, um, you know, we want things to go our way. We want to hear that, uh, he's going to do what we ask him to do. He's going to provide us with the things that we ask him for and we'll be comfortable, uh, because of that. And I don't know, well, I know I don't always listen to hear what he really wants. Um, and I'm learning that I'm, you know, it's a, I do believe it's a continued journey and I'm better at it than I used to be. Um, but yeah, and, 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 you know, he even goes on that, you know, if we are seeking him, he's going to show up, but yeah. I, I certainly think that part of the reason why we don't hear from him is because we're asking with wrong motives, uh, asking for things that we want and maybe not necessarily what he wants. Yeah, there's a sentence at the end of that paragraph. It says, My extreme preoccupation with knowing God's will for me may only indicate, contrary to what is often thought, that I am over-concerned with myself, not a Christ-like interest in the well-being of others or in the glory of God. Yep. And that is pretty, I think, condemning and convicting for probably (laughs) a large portion of us, right? Like, what's God's will for me, for me? And what should I do? And how do I do that? And, like, it's, I, I think it's natural for us because we're, you know, broken, sinful beings for selfishness to be a big hurdle for a lot of us. I mean, it was, it was the main thing that led to Adam and Eve, you know, eating the forbidden fruit was, oh, if I eat this, I can be like God. I can get that. I can have what I, you know, it was all about them. And so I think it's, you know, selfishness is something that's pretty, pretty standard for a human, um, especially, I mean, I, I, I didn't live back then, but now when I can get what I want shipped to me from anywhere in the world <laughs> and now, now it might take an extra day or two cause supply chain, blah, whatever. But like, I mean, you live in a big city, you can get stuff the same day. Oh yeah. I can have someone go grocery shop for me and bring my groceries to my front door. Yeah. Like, we live in such a self-centered comfort focused me first society 
that it's no wonder that that seeps into our, our faith because it's just so ingrained into how we grew up and, you know, what society has continually told us. And, but it's also completely counter what Jesus in the Bible teaches us about ourselves and what's important and where value, you know, lies and, and, and the type of people that are going to inherit the kingdom, right? We see that in the Beatitudes. We see that all throughout um, Jesus's ministry and who he spends time with and who he challenges and why he challenges them. Um, and I just, I, I think the more that I reflect on on Jesus in scripture and, and then the older I get and you know, the more crap that I go through and see the more I'm realizing that like what I want is not so important. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I still want it cause I want it, but like it's not that important. Like just wanting something to happen isn't a good enough reason for it to have to happen. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah. I think it absolutely does make, make sense. And you know, um, kind of going back to your talking about selfishness when I was teaching youth communicants class in the Presbyterian church and we had a, lesson plan that we went from that, you know, the presbytery had given us to do. And you want to give these young minds simple answers to complex things. When it came into, I remember uh, there was a page where it said sin is blank. And then you fill in the little word for what sin is. And the definition that the Presbyterians wanted us to give is that sin is selfishness or selfishness is sin. And I thought it's clearly far more complex than that. But in teaching a youth communicants class, that was kind of the definition that we would give to the kids in terms of how do you know what sin is? Well, sin is anything that you do that's selfish. And it was just, you know, so again, not quite that simple, but I find it interesting in what you're saying that that just that like, that's what came to my brain of like, we'd find sin as selfishness. Well, and, but that's such a good jumping off point right. for further discussion, right? Because right? uh, cheating, selfishness, adultery, selfishness, greed, selfishness, yep. gluttony, selfishness, sloth, yeah. selfishness. <laughs> it's all about what I want to make me feel better, right? Yep. Stealing, selfishness, murder, selfishness like <laughs> to an extreme extent right but we think about this stuff lying usually selfishness because you're trying to protect yourself or make someone else look that I, I actually kind of really as a basic I, well it's always stuck I with think me there's a it reason they came to that conclusion exactly so you know and that comes back to jesus saying like we have to die to self right yeah and and that he does he mention in this humble instead of prideful and you know, anyone who wants to save their life will lose it in Matthew 16, uh -huh. 25, which even in that, like, like I am just so aware sometimes of just how intentional I am of like going, okay, I know that's what it says, <laughs> but I don't really want to do that. Uh, yeah. 
All right. And then the last one of those three points was our understanding of God's communication with us is blocked when we misconceive the very nature of our Heavenly Father and of His intent for us as His redeemed children and friends. Which is, that's just a lot. Mm-hmm. He then goes on to say, from this then comes a further misunderstanding of what the church, his redemptive community, is to be like, and especially of how authority works in the kingdom of the heavens. God certainly is not a jolly good fellow, nor is he our buddy. But then, neither are we intended by him to be robots wired into his instrument panel, puppets on a string, or slaves dancing at the end of a whiplash of his command. Such ideas must not serve as the basis for our view of hearing God. And that's when he gets into the idea of like a conversational relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the, like we really haven't talked about it a lot, but I think that is actually the focus of the chapter. Like he, he lays the groundwork for like, oh, people have heard God and this and that, and people have not heard God and God speaks in other ways. And, and here are the three areas that we're going to get into in the book. But the basis is like, look, if you're not... If you're not pursuing a conversational relationship, then do you really have a relationship or are you just acquaintances? Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't say that in so many terms. No. I'm 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 reiter I'm 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 what's the word? Interpreting and and, and sort of furthering it, but that's the, the takeaway I got. Cause like you might know somebody but not have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And is knowing God good? Yeah. J.R. Packer sold a bajillion copies of that book. But there is, there is a difference between just knowing God and then having a conversational relationship with him where he is truly father. And... I think a lot of us want that, but a lot of us aren't sure how to get there or we feel silly or we don't know how to talk to God, how to listen. We get easily distracted. You know, we have good intentions. And then after two minutes of praying, we're like, oh, taxes are due next week. And, you know, like <laughs> life comes and steals the moment away. Yeah. And so that's that's what I'm really excited about, because even the the subtitle of the book is developing a conversational relationship with God. Like this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what excites me the most about this book is like, this is something that I've wanted and I've had at different points in my life. Um, but I'm not, I'm not the consistent one, right? I, I veer and I stray and I get distracted or I get, I get angry or, you know, other stuff in life. Like I just, I'm, you know, I'm distractible apparently. Yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, earlier in the, the chapter prior to those uh, three points that we just made was, he says the biblical record always presents a relationship between God and the believer as more like a friendship or family tie than merely one person's arranging to take care of the needs of another. And I know one of the things that we've talked about frequently is just becoming a parent, um, becoming a a parent of a child. Um, 
our relationship with God kind of takes on clear understanding for us. And if you think about a child and their parent, they don't just go, the parents, not just there to supply things for the kids. You know, they don't just give them food, clothing, a place to sleep. You know, that's, that's more in line with our pets, even though <laughs> with our pets, we treat them like family too. Right. Um, and so from, from that standpoint, I just think of how frequently we go to God because we want something. And so it's not just him providing us with what, what we want. Um, but to my children, there's discipline, uh, is involved. Uh, hopefully I am impart some sort of wisdom to them. Hopefully, you know, I can share things that I have learned from. And so there's this, uh, relationship in terms of developing another person. And I think that's exactly what God does with us. He's developing us. He is, um, helping us to become the people that he created us to be. So yeah, that really, um, struck me when you mentioned the mentioned father and then remembering that particular uh, section from the book. And then I don't know that he really directly kind of shifting gears here. I don't know that he really directly says this uh, in this chapter, but I do believe that there's an element of don't always take it as truthful when somebody says that they hear from God. Like it really is part of our vernacular that we just throw out there of God said this to me. And even when we say that, we mean a lot of different things. I was reading in scripture and I felt like God spoke, through, but we don't always say that. Well, God, we, we kind of just sum it up with God spoke to me. God's, you know, uh, revealed this to me. And so just be cautious that, um, one, how we use that, that terminology and how, uh, glib sometimes we can be with throwing that around. And then just know that even a pastor who stands up in front of a congregation and says, God spoke to me, um, that may not be true. <laughs> that may not be. Correct. Yeah. There's a question number five in the reflection question section said, should a leader who claims to have been spoken to by God ever be questioned about it? How might one yep. intelligently <laughs> go about this in a spirit of love? And I think that's such a nice way <laughs> to say, mm, maybe it's not all above board guys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, Yes. Yeah. And, and absolutely. And, and I think too, the, the degree with which, um, the degree with which the, um, hearing from God affects others. Uh, I, and this is even an example that he uses early on in the book is how many churches have been built because the pastor heard from God that that's what you're supposed to do. And, um, all of Mormonism. <laughs> so yeah i i, mean, few, I think there's few, an awful lot of defined a little differently there but you know yeah but so i think i think that happens too of you know somebody a pastor says i heard from god and we go millions of dollars in debt or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to build something that you know the pastor just wants it and he has a pulpit literally build it and they will come dave yeah so um, you mentioned question number five and I circled question number six and this one kind of made me chuckle a little bit yeah, and I not to completely take us in this direction, but I was kind of thinking maybe this would be a good place to maybe wind up unless you've got more. Uh, -uh. uh but it says everything considered, would you really, 
in italics <laughs> for emphasis, I assume, like to be spoken to by God? Um, Interesting question. Uh, yes, that's why I'm reading this book, Dallas. <laughs> Way to bury the lead, man. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I, I, to me, what's implied by the, the emphasis on the do you really want to be spoken to by God is, are you willing to then do what he has said to you? Exactly. And that's where it all comes down to in terms of, um, and again, uh, I, I think we look back at who the, the heroes of the Bible, the people that we uphold, that were spoken to by God, and they didn't always obey, didn't always like the answer and, you know, figuratively wrestled with God about it. And, um, I think there's, there's quite a few, there's quite a few times where people heard from God and their response was not immediate obedience. And God even had to intervene to get his will done. Yeah. I'm thinking about Jonah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And his wasn't even immediate obedience. It was immediate disobedience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just even uh, Moses comes to mind, um, you know, he kind of even was like, okay, God, I'll do that. But my brother is going to be the one that does all the talking or, you know, um, just, just so many different people where their, their response was not Abraham. Immediate. Yeah. Got Abraham impatient and then started a whole family his with way. his wife's concubine. Yeah. So, which man, those family dinners must've been awkward. <laughs> awkward well and even like after this is this is one of my favorite ways to think about the whole abraham's sacrifice or trying to sacrifice isaac thing it's like just imagine what that high comb was like <laughs> isaac's like no 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 no, you walk in front like you I, you're not behind oh, me like <laughs> you were you were half a mile ahead like and when we get home i am so telling mom are you kidding me with this like, <laughs> yeah. like Seriously, like the practical human side of that story is he's got to be like, what? Like, mm-mm, we're like, mm, we're done. We're like, we're going separate ways. I can't be near you. You just tried to kill me. Like, <laughs> just cracks me up. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think, and for us, yeah, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this is, is we're seeking to hear from God and, um, don't take lightly that that comes with the implications of doing what he tells us to do. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a, like a scolding, punishing the way that I, that sounded in my head after I said it, but it's all good. So we discussed chapter one. There were certain parts of it that we skipped over, not because they weren't worth talking about, but it, you know, in the flow of the conversation, we didn't get to them. So if there is a part of the chapter that uh, stuck out to you or, or sparked to you or uh, caused you to, to, to question some stuff um, and you want to share, uh, go ahead and head to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 204 and you'll find different ways to get in touch with us and we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on the preface or chapter one. And um, we would love to do a little follow-up on next episode. Should anyone share to uh, care to share their thoughts? And so there's that you'll also find um, show notes, links to the good stuff 
and that at that same URL, or if you're in your podcast app of choice, the show notes will be there as well as the uh, links to uh, get in touch. So that's that. This has been episode 204. And uh, well, Dave. Yeah. Farewell. See you later.